usually the guy who's recording the show in my car. <laughs> it's a, ple- a pleasant <laughs> surprise to see another person. Your reasons are different. You, you're working in a, a facility that probably doesn't lend itself to recording podcasts. I was working in a facility that equally did not facilitate recording podcasts because I had two small children screaming and the concept of another person on cam in front of me was just too good to pass for them. So I would just run into my car and try to do it. So uh, Michael, first off, thank you for finding a good spot in your parking lot uh, to take the time. Of course. And, and second, I'm excited to, to hear what you're building. Uh, Von Mercier, for those, are, they're running a campaign right now on Republic. You can go to republic.com and, and actually check them out. They've got a couple months left on the campaign. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, and then for the rest, like uh, we've been trying to tell people ever since we sold the techno or sold technology to King Squad, kingsquad.com, sign up for an account. And literally you can get all of the ratings and reviews and analyst reports and so forth associated with not just Fond Mercier, but literally 4,000 other companies that are raising money on platforms from secondaries to, uh, to reg CF. So definitely check that out. Kingsquad.com. Michael, First and foremost, I want to hear the pitch directly from you. I know there's some association with Technori in the past. We'll get into that. But what is the pitch? What is Von Mercier for anyone out there listening? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, Von Mercier is a company with a vision to bring imagined vehicles to life. And you know what that means is we design and manufacture the future of transportation. And our first product that we've uh, been working on is the Arosa Electric Hovercraft. And this vehicle is starting with previous and existing hovercraft technology, but where we've innovated is a new patented directional control system, an electric powertrain, and other features designed to make the vehicle extra exciting and exceptionally easy to use. As uh, the hovercraft has evolved um, since it's of invention in the 1950s, it's been held back in in certain ways from a broader market because of a few limitations, if you will. And one of the main ones being that they're they're somewhat difficult to use. So if you're traveling on a cushion of air, which gives you the ability to go from land to water and back again, it's super exciting. But if you can't do that under control, it becomes very scary. Bit of a problem. So that was kind of the the uh, the starting point with looking at this this vehicle type um, to to figure out different ways to make them to make it easier to use. And uh, hovercraft in general started for me as a passion when I was a, a little kid, and um, just never left my head through a career in product development. Um, and so the the design of the Arosa and some of the innovations we're working on, uh, you know, have sprung from that initial initial seed in my head and uh, continue to grow as more people get involved and uh, more ideas uh, come to life and more light bulbs go off as we as we test and learn and, and develop these things. What so like? What got you into this? You you explain sort of the the desire of making it. I, I think of. Um the scene in, in Armageddon where the dude just floats off because he can't control the, the burst underneath, uh, underneath his, right. his rocket suit. I understand the, the concept of realizing how difficult this can be and wanting to make it simpler and, and kind of seeing that like, if you can solve the, the basic problems that, that one might have as a, a fear, it could actually make this viable in a lot of ways. I think of like even Tesla, like 
having the idea that there's a full full drive, like FSD is possible. It's not really able to be in full market yet because there's so many little kinks mm-hmm. that need to be worked out of it. But the concept is that Elon had the brain to think like it can be done. It's just got to, someone's got to make it happen. I understand that. I'm curious how you individually, like, like, what is your background? Like what, what got you to a point where like, yeah, you know what? I want to, I want to build hovercrafts. Cause it's probably not, although with the drone world, there's more people in the space, but like, I, I would imagine that when you were like five, you weren't like, oh yeah, hovercrafts. I watched yeah. Back to the Future and here we go. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, just about that time. I think it was about 13. Um, I had ordered these plans from the, yeah, yeah. It's like plans from the back of a, a Boy's Life magazine, which is in, in, in from Boy Scouts. And there's like things you can order from back there, like uh, x-ray glasses and sea monkeys. Like, And then one of this, one of the items was called air car. And uh, it was these plans for very basic uh, hovercraft that used a, a vacuum cleaner motor as the as the air source. And then you built like a circular disc of plywood and put a shower curtain piece of you know, material around the edge. And I could, uh, you know, sit on this thing in my garage and, and push my little sister around on it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, so cool. I want to, like, take this everywhere i want to drive it outside i want to do all these things and um so it got in my head as just this you know this this really interesting form of transportation that allows you to transition seamlessly between amphibious terrain and that kind of just blew my mind as a as a kid and my background my professional background since then has been in mechanical engineering with a focus in product design and development. So I've built uh, products and machines for a variety of industries, ranging from working at Radio Flyer out in Chicago to uh, working for a small company in Colorado where we uh, built packaging machinery for, for breweries, basically. The thing that puts a beer in a can. So I've had a variety of different design experiences along the way. And um, with this hovercrafts concept in the back of my head and now <laughs> taking up all of my nights and weekends for the last 10 years, essentially, um, I was able to funnel not only just mechanical engineering, but design thinking and user experience uh, thoughts and, um, you know, kind of fulfill in a lot of ways that that initial childhood fascination um and it's a you know it's 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 uh on one hand it's it's a toy it's an exciting thing but on the other hand there's some very practical applications of why now is a good time to be looking at amphibious vehicles and making them more user centric um you know just take what's happened in the last you know, several weeks in hurricane season, you know, massive floods and the devastation that that causes and the rescue efforts that need to go on. So a hovercraft at its core, riding on a cushion of air is very well suited for those environments of flood terrain and rushing waters and even, you know, thin ice, these areas that are actually, you know, quite difficult to reach with other modes of transportation. but again, you know, they're, when they're being used for those purposes, the, the, the pilot of, of a rescue hovercraft today has to be 
fairly well trained, almost as much as somebody um, piloting a helicopter would need special training. So we're trying to shave off more of those barriers um, to to usability and um, the entry market being more of a luxury good, a recreational vehicle. But then that underlying technology core that we're developing can then be leveraged in these other markets like search and rescue. Yeah, no, I, I could totally see that. I mean, with with Ian or Hurricane Ian, it's like I'm looking at this thinking like, I mean, I've always believed we're going to end up in water world anyway. So uh, the idea of having hovercrafts or amphibious uh, vehicles to me makes complete sense. I I think it's definitely, you know, obviously very early. Um, people are, you know, to be totally honest, like Tesla started off kind of as a gimmick. It was, a, it was like a golf cart that people had. And I mean, obviously it wasn't that it was a roadster, but like they didn't use it for actual commuting. It was just for shits and giggles. Right. Anything can happen when the utility is there and there's actually ability to produce these and they operate. And if you can make them electric and all this other stuff, like obviously that only, you know, adds to the potential. I want to jump into your campaign a little bit here. Um, People can invest on Republic.com. I'm not really getting into the the finances of it. Everyone can go take a look at the page and and see it. Mm -hmm. I'm more curious, like, like where's the company at as far as, you know, not necessarily like revenue per se, but just like growth wise, like what you've said over the last 10 years, you've been working on this. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with patents and building the concepts and so forth, but like where, what, like walk me through what the product actually is and looks like and how it's made and you know, how sales is going, if it is going and what is it like, what does the future look like? What's the plan um, for what you're going to use some of the funds for? Like, I'd, I'd love to be able to share with the audience that, that might find this interesting, like, kind of the, the situation today and in the, in the near future? Yeah, so for um, for a while, it had been, uh, you know, a company I had started and then had been working on on the side of a, you know, of a day job. Um, but just now, a little over a year ago, I quit my day job for the second time to work on this full-time. And um, in this past year or, or two, especially, we've moved the company forward in a lot of major ways one we have now a fully molded set of of carbon fiber body parts so the entire arosa body on our latest prototype is molded carbon fiber versus the prototype before that was all hand-built foam and fiberglass and, and other materials so now we actually have a way to you know reproduce um reproduce the body um, we we've upgraded from kind of a low voltage, which started as a hybrid system, moved into an all electric system, and now on our latest version we have uh, a high voltage, automotive grade battery system with very lightweight electric motors, actually um, aviation grade motors. Yeah. Um, so we've made a lot of strides in kind of moving from you know, R&D, rough and dirty prototype uh, to more production grade components. Um, and we've done all this on a very, very small budget. To date, we've, we've raised less than a million dollars and you know, spent less than that to produce several iterations of full-scale prototypes by, you know, pay for the tooling and, um, you know, actually get to where we are. So that's a little bit of the, uh, why it's been such a slow haul is, uh, we're a little undercapitalized in that way, um, but the Republic uh, campaign with the, 
the crowd equity raise that we're working on now um, will hopefully accelerate a lot of what we're trying to do in bringing our R&D learning into a production grade unit. Because today we have actually seven deposit holders, so people who have you know, put down money to reserve their spot in the production queue for a production grade Arosa electric hovercraft. And uh, we are open for additional deposits. So we've started to you know, enter the market in that way, even though it's you know, not like we have them sitting on the shelf ready to go out the door, but we have that attention from the market and from these customers and have had some really you know, exciting conversations with um, not only these deposit holders who are interested in owning one, but also the different investors who've come on board during the Republic campaign. And a lot of uh, you know the conversations we've been having relate to kind of not only this product but the future of electric vehicles and how Von Mercier is really working on vehicles that don't have wheels. <laughs> that's you know not necessarily our mission, but that's kind of where we've focused our energy is more on um, you know marine amphibious and then potentially, you know, something that flies a little bit higher. What we're looking to do in the, the close of this round with the, with the Republic campaign is, is bring on a few more key team members that, you know, that will help accelerate our, our timeline here. Um, but then we've outfit more, we want to outfit more of our production facilities. So we have a 20,000 square foot warehouse that we're leasing in, um, Habit of Grace, Maryland. It's right at the tip of the Chesapeake Bay, uh, situated right on the water, zoned for manufacturing um, with a spot for a showroom. So it's, it's an old building, but we plan to, you know, have it grow as we grow. So we're really at this, you know, poised position to um, you know, kind of complete our initial R&D on this product and, and then bring it into the market. Um, so am I assuming so seven deposits, 700 K and projected. So they're a hundred thousand yeah. dollars a, a unit. What, like, I guess two questions, like what, what needs to happen for this to be able to go into production mode and, you know, from an R and D or whatever standpoint, like, what does that look like? What's the timeline on where I'll start seeing somebody hovering around the neighborhood? So some of it was building out this, what we're calling our production beta unit. So basically the, um, pre-production final prototype, if you will. And in doing that, that's letting us tune the various systems. So there's, you know, the electric battery and charging system takes a little you know, back and forth to get that doing, doing what we want it to do exactly. Um, each motor with the individual fans, getting those loaded properly. Um, and then ultimately having this unit meet its our designed performance goals. So we've been able to do um, successful water testing with our directional control where we've proven again that we can use that system to go forward, backward, make tight turns. Um, one area that we still need to advance is top speed. So we have some production refinement to do where we're 
going to be pulling out even more weight from the vehicle, adding a little more power to the thrust system. So some of those, so some of the things that are designed on paper and we're getting them into product, you know, in into reality for the first or second time, uh, we're getting to take a look at, you know, what's the um, fallout between the theoretical and what we actually get and then make adjustments. So we think we'll be in that um, kind of tuning to production refinement phase for another three to six months where each one of those lessons kind of funnels into a refined piece of the, of the production product. Um, and then from there, we'd be doing small batch production of the, of the first several units. So that puts us in, um, you know, likely by, uh, hopefully <laughs> by late spring or summer, we'll be actually, you know, delivering our, our first couple units to those customers. I got to yeah. imagine there's a million things that like, you've got to, you've got to marginally wait, like, is this going to work? Is that like, you can't, the problem with some of this stuff is like, you can't, you can only test things individually until they're assembled. And then once they are assembled, it's like, well, what does use look like? And what is powered down and power back on? Like it's, it's, I think a lot of people, when they look at this, it, yeah. it's not a combustion engine. It's not something that you're pulling on, you know, a thousand, it's not a thousand, but hundreds of years of, of history. This is something that you're kind of borrowing. Uh, maybe one thing has 50 to a hundred thousand, um, you know, components available that have been tried over years and years and years, like thrusters. And then you get into like the battery part. And like, how does that work? And like all together, there's just so many pieces. It's gotta be hard to, to judge that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, a system at a time approach while also looking at the total integration of systems. And so I, I, like I often imagine in my head, you know, a lot of entrepreneurship is just, it's just a bunch of parallel lines <laughs> and you just have to keep jumping in between them. Well, when you're developing, when our product is a vehicle, it also has its own layers of parallel lines. Um, you know, some of the, uh, you know, it, the, there's there's a lot of news lately on, on different electric vehicles coming out, you know, EV tolls for, e-cars, e-boats, et cetera. And um, it's really, you know, it's an exciting time to be in that space for sure. Um, I don't know how many of your audience would probably be interested to hear, you know, when you're digging into some of these components, it's not always as simple as it sounds. And right. that's, you know, I think we all understand that those of us who've developed anything it's never as simple as it sounds but you know just just to for instance just to get our motor inverter to properly spin the motor um took you know a deep dive into CAN bus communication protocols and learning some other subsystems that we didn't anticipate we had to learn but you take the time we lean on our internal engineers our engineers at the vendors that are providing us these product, you know, these parts and uh, by the end, get the motor to spin the way you want. And it's a really exciting day. It's just a few months later than you wanted it to be. Right. <laughs> Always the case. So once, once you've got this thing ready to go, what is rollout look like? How, like who's the intended market on the, on the early days and how do you start to, you know, I could think of, this is not a great analogy because there's a history to it, but like DeLorean, who is 
you know, forget about the history of the car and the maker and all of the crazy drug infused parties of the eighties. Um, they've come back out with another car and it's, I think they want to say it comes, it's electric car comes out in 2024, maybe they're taking, you know, $140,000 plus for the car. They're taking all these pre reservations for it. You pay, I, don't know, I think it's, I want to say it's like $2,800 or something like that. The prepay. Um, they are just guessing that in the next two years that they will have, I'm sure it's more than a guess, but like, it's definitely an educated guess on when we think we'll be in production. And they're, they're basically building a marketing channel around there's only be a limited number of production. Like this is a very unique special car. If you have it, you're a collector, like it's all you, how do you position this? You position this as like the first version of this is for the collector. It's for the user. It's going to be mainstream. Is it the next version probably, or the next, next version probably like how, how do you look at launching the brand and starting to move units? And what is like a lot of units look like to you over the next couple of years? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so for the for the Arosa, for this two-seater, um, we are limiting our first year's production to, to a maximum of 25 units. So, you know, whenever that production cycle starts. Um, and that's so that we can scale our unit numbers with our efficiency of production and our quality. Um, so this is definitely it's a it's a low production vehicle in that way um, at the beginning and we want to get it in the hands of you know customers like that that are on our um, deposit list now that are um, having conversations with us they're they're telling us what they like about it they're telling us what they yeah. wish it could do they're giving us feedback on you know hey it, it felt a little strange when i took this corner and then we can actually you know, give them a algorithm update to that that steering feel, and they can tell us uh, whether that feels better or worse. Um, so we are looking for for um, early adopters in you know the truest sense of the word, and that they are interested to get in early. They know there's going to be some bugs, but they want to help uh, refine it with us. Right. And then we still don't expect that this model this this summer around 250 units a year Hopefully by year three or four production will hit that number and at the same you know at the same time we'll have been working in the background on various additional models or model line updates so we can be rolling those out too because um, now that we've you know like i mentioned about just you know getting motors to spin and that kind of challenge you know those are fundamental uh platform challenges that then we can leverage across different different product lines um so you know we don't expect this to be your daily commuter this this particular unit but we do expect it to open a new uh appreciation and understanding of what uh you know an amphibious vehicle can can be as far as for recreation or exploration or um you know search and rescue like i mentioned so we'll continue those conversations with our our market and then uh, develop products suited to the, the highest values. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it happen. I would honestly love to envision a world where there's hovercrafts all over the place. I would absolutely love to take one to work, but totally get that. It's like, you're kind of inventing something new and like, it's not the hovercraft is not newly invented to you, but the, the, the concept of this kind of is, and like the way that you're looking at it. Um, and it's, I guess the, the question to me and, you know, I'm sure you have an answer and you guys have thought about it. Um, 
but it's one of those things that I almost want to, you, you almost, you, you hinted at earlier, it's almost impossible to predict until you're in it, you know, at a full market mainstream kind of deal is, do we want Von Mercier to be synonymous with wheelless vehicles? Or do we want it to be synonymous with imagining what is unimaginable and maybe only making two or 300 of any particular thing? And it's like, you can still be a multi hundreds of millions, if not billion dollar company that just is like, we're not in the mass production business yet. Or maybe we will be down at some point, but like right now we're not, we're in the business of like, imagine if you could have this kind of a vehicle and we spend five years in R and D to, to bring it to life. And there's always a dearth of rich dudes running around who would love to have something crazy in their garage. And we're, we're the people for that. I don't know which, which, where you'll fall on that whole thing, but I, if it were me and I'm running and I'm, I'm definitely looking at like building a brand around the wheelless vehicle. And that's like what we do. And today you're like, this is crazy. And you know, 10 years from now, every other person on the block has one and it's not crazy. Right. Yeah. I definitely see, you know, I see the future of, you know, I mentioned EV tolls, like electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. You're seeing, you know, quadcopter type, vehicles with people in them so as as that industry evolves or those vehicle classes evolve um you know one of the things that's always stood to me is and, and we see it in reviews is oh, are these going to be safe like what happens if you fall off that thing and you just plop right into the you know propeller or is the you know is the ai controlling most of the the um maneuvering etc so you know we're we're starting at a point where you you know, hovercraft, you are flying, but if you lose power, you just land on the ground, land on the water, you float, you, you, you're good, you know, you're not falling out of the sky. So we, we have an opportunity as uh, Baron Mercier to kind of be in an entry point into something that doesn't have wheels, something that has more degrees of freedom than you're used to, even in a boat. And that starts to enable a new type of pilot new type of driver that is comfortable in those types of environments and still has you know interaction with the vehicle but of course we have you know programming underneath it taking over some of the pilot's job um, or supplementing it so we're in a way you know a first step into that flying car future um, without having to have a huge hurdle of, you know, am I going to die if this, if I lose power? Um, because you won't, you're going to float. And Safety for, look, Elon has had uh, no, no shortage of, of critics saying that it's causing danger. And I think like there's an argument that anyone can make after watching Terminator one and two, that AI driven everything, uh, we don't have control. Anything bad can happen. There's glitches, whatever. Like history has shown us repeatedly uh, that while that is certainly possible in a sci-fi film, uh, a computer is 99% more reliable than a human being driving a vehicle. And there's going to be a point in time where the tech is, is flushed out and we have to take risks and early versions. Like you can't have an early version of anything. If you, if safety is the, the hundred percent, that's it. Like we can't, well, we just can't try. Like we'll, we'll never evolve. So yeah, totally yeah. understand it and, and really uh, respect what you're trying to build it. There's, Entrepreneurs, I think, are crazy to begin with. Um, <laughs> starting companies is is a really uh, it's a scary thing. Um, starting companies that build hardware is an even scarier thing. 
starting companies that build hardware that float above the ground is take people in them is a like i mean that's like the scary as it gets but it's exciting it's an exciting kind of scary (laughs) no it is i'm a person who's all for that like i like that's what drives me here in the day is I, i love to build things that i think there's someone out there behind me who's like using it and they're just like geeking out over something that I maybe started doing months or even years ago. And you can yeah. sort of just sort of change your own narrative. I, there, there's a control factor to it that I think is addictive. So I, I a hundred percent get that. It's just, <laughs> this is, it's ambitious. Um, and I appreciate ambition in anything. Um, I hope everyone goes and checks out the page and, and invest in the company. It looks like you've got some decent perks and things that are, that are rolling here. Um, it's pretty simple, republic.com slash Von Mercier, just for the uh, the non-French, V-O-N-M-E-R-C-I-E-R, uh, and check it out. Um, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time and, and sharing the story with us. Um, I'm excited to see these things like in real life. I don't, I don't know if you have one that's even in like pro- product mode that you're able to, to like scoot around in, but if you do, please post it to social. I would love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the on the Republic page, check out the updates section because that has uh, the latest and greatest of the the current pre-production prototype. It's it's the blue one. <laughs> the red one was its predecessor, and uh, yeah, every day it gets a little bit better. And the more we uh, more we learn, the more videos we put out there. And we're scooting around on it now. Soon we'll be speeding around on it. Love it. Absolutely. It's got a little uh, original Batmobile feel to it. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing what, uh, you know, your subconscious drums up when you're uh, designing something. All, all the all the favorite things somehow oh, yeah. come out into your into the design. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Scott. If you're interested in self-directed investing from startups to crypto and public markets, my Substack is a great way to learn how professional investors screen, review, and pull the trigger on deals. Join the largest community of micro-investors and startup founders on Substack by going to katoon.com.